This is Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32. It's called the story of the lost son. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of, my, of your estate now, instead of waiting until you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this son packed all of his belongings and took a trip to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money on wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him to feed the pigs. The boy became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired men have food enough to spare, and here I am, dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired man. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long distance away, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. And kill the calf we have been fattening for the pen. We must celebrate with a feast. For the son of mine was dead and now has returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the calf we are fattening and has prepared a great feast. We are celebrating because of a safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, All these years I have worked hard for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours came back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the finest calves we have. His father said to him, Look, dear son, you and I are very close. Everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and now has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. Thank you, Landon, for reading that for us. Uh, what an incredible story. And parables are a story with a point. And, the, and in this parable that Jesus told, there's so many layers to this story. And one of it is children are a challenge uh, to have. And this morning I woke up to a card and on, on the front of the card it said, no matter what happens in life to you, dad, just recognize you have good looking children. It's like, all right, well, I don't know if that's going to help in everything, but I'll take it. But also in here is this idea of the father and the father's heart for his children. So in this story, we see these two sons. There's a younger son and an older son. Now the younger son goes to the dad and says, give me my inheritance now. Now in Jewish culture, the way it worked was the oldest son would get two thirds of the inheritance and then the younger son would get one third. So in a sense, the younger son is saying, I want one third of all your wealth to take away, for, to take away and go and use however. He's also communicating to his dad that he'd rather have his dad dead and just have his money versus a relationship with his dad. Now for the son to make this request is one thing. For the father to grant this request is a whole other thing. 
In Jewish culture, this would be an incredible disgrace. And even probably to your own family for one of your children to come and ask of this would not be a good thing. If you were the father, how would you respond? How would you respond to that request? I know for me, WWJD, what would Jesus do would be more like WWMD, what would Mark do? And Mark probably wouldn't be doing what Jesus did. And I'd probably be having the son walk out the door, but not necessarily with one third of the inheritance. But the father doesn't react in anger or he doesn't disown his son, but he responds by dividing up the estate between the two sons. Two-thirds to the older, I imagine that one-third to the younger, but I don't know what it looked like, but I imagine as that son walked out the door, the younger son, the father watched not only his son leave, but a third of his estate leaving. That'd be significant. And you see here that the father gave the son what he wanted, even though he knew it was not what he needed. Have you ever got what you wanted? then realize it really was not what you needed? There are countless times people have won the lottery or been given an inheritance and it's not actually been the best thing for them. Many people who win the lottery actually end up blowing all the money and being actually in a worse situation afterwards. I had a gentleman that I worked with that got an inheritance at a very young age and he took it and within a year he had squandered it all and wasted it all. It did not bless him. It was not what he needed. It actually became more difficult for him in life. And we can look at this even in our own lives. And I'm not just talking about money here. We can pray for things for, or ask for things from God that we think we need, but maybe they're just wants. Or we pursue these things that we think we really want it or deserve it. And that'll make us happy. But when we receive it, it's not really helpful to us. So here the father gives the son what he asks for, the inheritance. That in itself speaks loudly about the father and who he is. So the son packs up his bags and he leaves. And it says he left the country. He didn't just move next door. He literally, if he was living in the United States, would have moved to Europe, Asia, Africa, somewhere else. Or if he was living somewhere in a different country, maybe he would have moved here. If he was living in the country, he might have moved to the city but really where he was moving to where the party was, where he could live for the moment and not think about the future, where he could just carpe diem, seize the day. Have you ever watched somebody live like that? Maybe you've lived like that. Not any thought about the future, but simply embracing and enjoying the moment and not thinking about the consequences of the future. I lived that like that for many years. And what I realized was partying is a lot of fun. But the thing about partying, if somebody tells you partying isn't fun, they probably haven't partied. But we often don't talk about the consequences. That even though in the moment, the consequences, there's not always consequences. But then you look at towards the hangover the empty pockets, the shallow relationships, the destructive cycle that can lead you on this downward spiral. Not towards wholeness, but a spiral towards brokenness, emptiness, and death. And what begins as fun and exciting only becomes empty. Although the father gave the son what he wanted and let him go, it must have broken the father's heart. 
I was told by my mom years ago that my dad, when all three of his sons were living in rebellion, at night my dad would go out and walk the streets and pray for us that we'd come home, that we'd be safe. He'd weep for us, hoping that his sons that were lost would return. Letting go of a rebellious child has to be one of the hardest things to do. And I've heard how my father did it, and I imagine this father did not do it without pain. As the younger son wastes his inheritance and life, the well runs dry. The bank account goes empty. Those shallow friends leave. And on top of that, a famine hits the land. There's a compounding consequences for the younger son. And he finds himself broke and broken, hiring himself out to feed pigs with no food for himself. Now remember, pigs are not part of the Jewish diet. They are not considered clean animals. There is no bacon or BLTs, pork chops or ham hocks or Richard Brown making some good pork on the grill for the Jews. But the son finds himself in a pig pen with what's considered unclean animals. A pig pen is dehumanizing. Sin steals your humanity. Sin makes you believe a narrative that your life doesn't matter, that you're worthless, hopeless, ugly, unlovable, rejected. Sin steals humanity and dehumanizes you. So I ask you, what is stealing your humanity? What pig pens are you wallowing in? There's both things that we can do that steal our humanity and there's sin that can be done to us that steals our humanity. And in both cases, we become less than who God has created us to be. Even during the quarantine, in the comfort of your own home and bedroom, you can travel to places that dehumanize you and dehumanize those around you. You might take some time in on addiction island or porn paradise, or you might read these narratives that are all over the news and social media and feel like you are being dehumanized and devalued. So I ask you, what is it that is stealing your personal humanity? Because God has made you for more. I've heard it said when you get to the bottom, there's only one place to go. But I think when you get to the bottom, you can make a decision to completely give up or begin to look towards home. And this son begins to look towards home. He begins to turn his heart towards his father. Instead of remaining in the pig pen, we read that it says he came to his senses, that there was an awakening within him before there was movement back home. And a true spiritual awakening shows you where you are and where you need to go. What if we began to pray about those pig pens or those areas in our life that have dehumanized us or dehumanized others? And what if we begin to pray and say, God, awaken me to the reality of where I currently am. Awaken me to the reality of where I need to go. Awaken me to the reality of who you are, Father. What if we began to pray for a true spiritual awakening that shows you where you are and where you need to go?
So as the son awakens in verse 17, he finds himself in the father's house. Finds himself that in the father's house, there is servants that are eating better than him. And even if he could go home to his father's house and just be a servant, it would be better than the condition he was currently living in, in a pigsty. In verse 18 to 19, we see the, the son makes the speech in his mind that he's going to present to the father about how he's unworthy to be called a son and hopefully can be just accepted as a servant. The son feels unworthy, unloved. He doesn't expect his father to calm his child ever again. And it's easy to begin to think when we have bad behavior and done wrong, that we no longer have the identity or true identity that God has given us. Have you ever had those conversations with God where you've bargained with him? And said things like, God, would you just accept me back this one more time? I'm willing to even come back as a servant and not as a son or a daughter, but God, I've messed up again. I'm sorry again. All of us have bargained with God. And that's what the son is doing, even as he looks towards home. The son is not looking at going home to embrace his true identity as a son, but simply looking to find a place to live, work, and have a warm, hot meal. His hopes and expectations for the father are low. And how the father is going to receive him are low. But there's a glimmer of hope. In verse 20, when he was a long way off, the, the father sees the son coming home. And we read that the father was filled with compassion. The word in Greek is splatsazomai. And splatsazomai has this kind of idea of this deep sense that you're being affected in a deep way with sympathy, affection, compassion, and emotion for this thing that's happening. Splatsazomai, even when you say it, kind of has this weird thing to it. And the father is not angry. He's not disappointed in the son. He is overwhelmed with splatsazomai, with compassion and love for his lost son who's come home. So much so that he runs to greet him, that he embraces the son. And this is completely outside of cultural norms. A Jewish father doing this to a disobedient, rebellious son would never happen. But the father disregards all cultural norms to run out and embrace his son who was lost and has now come home. Right away, the, the son starts his speech. And he talks about his unworthiness and maybe the father can just accept him as a servant. And at the end of his short speech, the father simply says to his servants, go get the robe, go get the ring, go get the sandals, which all symbolize restoring somebody to their proper place of authority and identity in the family. The father welcomes him back in. It's a day of celebration. Because the lost son had come home. And when God forgives and welcomes you home, he restores your dignity, your humanity, and your identity. The son in his waywardness and his wild living had forgotten his identity. 
He had forgotten his dignity as he lived with the pigs. And he had even lost a bit of his humanity. And now the father restores it all to him. The father, in a powerful way, reminds the son of who he is. Not a broken beggar coming home, but a son with position, with power, authority, humanity, dignity, and identity in this family. Now it's easy here to look at the father and put yourself in the position of the son. That the son is who we are. And yes, I agree with that. We need to look at the heavenly father and see ourselves as sons and daughters of our heavenly father. But I also believe that once we know Christ, God positions us in that role of becoming like the Father. That we can restore people's humanity. We can restore people's dignity. We can tell them their true identity in the Father. Often we just think about receiving from God, but as followers of Jesus, we are called to give too. And who is it in your sphere of influence? Who is it in your life that needs to hear words of humanity and dignity and identity? Maybe it's on social media. Maybe it's a phone call. Maybe it's somebody else. But we need to be speaking words of life and encouragement just like the Father has spoken to us. We must become like the Father. Now, it seems like everything's going well. The the household is celebrating That is until the older son, the older brother, comes back in from working in the fields all day. And he had not just been working in the fields all day. He had been working in the fields all his life. He had never went away. He had been faithfully serving the family for all these years. And now he comes home to a party. And it's a party for the younger son, the younger brother, who has abandoned the family, wasted the inheritance, shirked the responsibilities, and the older son is steaming mad and wouldn't even go inside. He wanted nothing to do with this party. And would you, if you were the older son, would you feel like going inside and having this great feast? Would you feel like cutting the rug and getting your dance on with the DJ? Because the son had come home? Probably not. Because you know how much the son has cost the family. I know I wouldn't be feeling like celebrating. But once again, the father breaks the cultural norms. He doesn't stay inside and ignore the older son. He walks outside and begs the older son, the older brother to come in. I imagine seeing the father down on his knees, pleading with the older son. Now, how does the older son respond? He says, all these years, I've lived in your house, dad. I've slaved for you. I've obeyed you. And you have never once given me a party or a small animal, a small goat to celebrate with my friends. And then this lost son, this son of yours comes home And you have this extravaganza for him. And I can feel the son's logic. I can feel his pain. You go and mess up your life. You come home, you get a party. I work my tail off and get nothing. There's clearly jealousy and anger 
And who wouldn't be? So the father replies, dear son, splatzazomai, I have just as much compassion for the older as the younger. And he tells his son, you have all you have ever needed. And everything you see, everything around you, it's all yours. It will be yours one day. But your lost brother has come home. Shouldn't we celebrate even for a moment? And the father shows a heart of compassion for the older brother. He doesn't react him against him, but reminds him of everything he has. Oh, how easy it is to forget as we are immersed in God's kingdom for long periods of time of everything that God has given us and which is already ours. And when we forget what we already have been given, when, when that wayward son or daughter comes home, when that person comes in who hasn't met our expectations, we can be jealous and angry and feel like we should just ignore them or why can't they just go away? Don't you see how hard I've been working? And now they come home and we throw a party? but this is not the heart of God. The heart of God is a heart of invitation, a heart of celebration that when anybody comes home or comes into the kingdom, let's celebrate. With both the younger son and older son, with the younger brother and older brother, the father responds with love and compassion. And on Father's Day, whatever your experience is with the father, Whatever your experience is as a father, I would encourage you to move towards becoming like our heavenly father. The world needs more fathers. We need to be fathers. And even as both men and women, we can display and emulate the father heart of God. As we interact with people, and restore their humanity and dignity and identity and encourage them towards who God has created them to be. We can learn to show compassion on both the obedient, the older son, and the rebellious, the younger sons, and become more and more like our father. So I leave you with this simple prayer as we finish up. And I'd ask you to consider making this the prayer for the week. God, help me to become more like the Father. Help me to become more like the Father. Because I don't believe we're supposed to just remain as children. We're supposed to become like the Father. Let's pray together. God, you are our Heavenly Father. And we long to emulate who you are and how you react to both the obedient and the rebellious, the wayward and the faithful. And God, I pray that you'd help us to not look at ourselves simply on the receiving end from a father, but that you're calling us to be fathers, both men and women, to have that father heart of God for those around us. And God, may you help us to become more like the father. In Jesus' name.